It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, July 27th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Is the Golden State poised to become the new Dust Bowl? Okay, that might be a tad dramatic. But California Water Policy Center research fellow Andrew Ayers breaks down concerns tied to drought-induced farming practices. This and more ahead on the California Report. We'll have your local news and weather before we ask, what's it mean to be the Director of Environmental Health for a county? Amy Arani, Nevada County's Environmental Health Director, fills us in. We close with a commentary from military and healthcare chaplain Norris Burks. But first, the latest headlines from BBC News. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. The U.S. Department of Education is launching an investigation into the University of Southern California. In 2020, a Jewish student at USC says she resigned from student government after being harassed for her pro-Israel views. A complaint was filed on behalf of Rose Rich that same year. The former student body vice president says she faced hateful comments on social media over her support for Israel. The complaint alleges that the school failed to protect her from harassment. The Jewish advocacy nonprofit Louis Brandeis Center alleges USC allowed a hostile environment of anti-Semitism on its campus. In a statement, the university said it's taking a number of steps to combat anti-Semitism. And it looks forward to addressing any concerns from the Department of Education. And here's one sign that air travel is bouncing back after disruptions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Officials say more than 6 million passengers passed through LAX last month for the first time since January 2020. KCRW's Jenea Williams has more. Domestic travelers passing through LAX were up almost 9% from June of last year, and international travel more than doubled, up more than 110% from the same time last year. LAX is the fifth busiest airport in the world, with more than 48 million passengers passing through in all of last year, and it shows no sign of slowing down. In fact, in just the first half of the year, LAX served 70 percent more passengers than last year. But in the latest COVID surge, L.A. County health officials say outbreaks have also hit the busy airport hard with at least 400 recent confirmed cases among TSA staff and workers at American and Southwest Airlines. TSA officials, however, are pushing back. They insist those numbers are not reflective of current infections and say the COVID rate for LAX is being reported about seven times higher than their own assessment. For the California Report, I'm Jenea Williams in Los Angeles. Crews continue to make good progress on the oak fire burning in Mariposa near Yosemite National Park. The fire is now 32 percent contained. It's burned more than 18,700 acres. More evacuation orders have been lifted and are now advisories. And so far, 49 homes have been destroyed in the fire. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
As the drought persists, many farmers are making the decision to fallow or set aside land that isn't being used to grow crops. But what does that actually mean, and how does that impact residents living near these fields? Andrew Ayers is a research fellow with the Public Policy Institute of California Water Policy Center. He's here to break it down for us. Hi, Andrew. Hi there. Can you walk me through what it means to fallow land? So in the San Joaquin Valley, which is the agricultural heartland of the state of California and much of the West, landowners are growing a variety of different crops. Some of them are orchard crops, you know, growing things like almonds or potentially citrus, and others are what we would usually call annual crops. So those might be things like alfalfa hay or um, processing tomatoes. And all of that land is being irrigated with either surface or groundwater. When we talk about fallowing land, we mean you're taking it out of agricultural production and you're no longer irrigating it. And you might be leaving it barren uh, or more likely you're probably going to be so-called disking the land. So disrupting the land surface to make sure that weeds don't grow on it. And one of the knock-on effects of that is that when you're fallowing land, oftentimes it can become a source of dust. And what are the unforeseen consequences for fallowing? Right. So as land is taken out of production, it's no longer being irrigated. It typically, you know, it might not have ground cover depending how it's being managed. It can, if poorly managed, start producing a number of nuisances. So the first I mentioned already is weeds. Another is dust. And weeds are primarily a concern for nearby agricultural operations um, who don't want weeds coming from, you know, migrating from fallowed fields onto their own operations. But dust has has sort of a, a broader knock-on effect on all, all residents, you know, valley residents mm-hmm. uh, who could be affected by it. That might be mainly folks who are living in rural areas surrounded by fields that could be coming out of production. But under some circumstances, you know, dust from these fields can travel miles and even impact folks who are living in the urban areas like Fresno and Bakersfield. And exposure to that dust has a number of negative consequences One, respiratory impairments, cardiovascular impairments, developmental impairments for infants and children. But it's also been shown to sort of lead to some other negative socioeconomic outcomes like inability to take part in the labor force, uh, reduces educational attainment, things of that nature are all sort of part of the negative uh, suite of effects that you can expect from increased dust exposure. And is following something that we can expect to see more of in the future? Yes. Um, So... It's important to note that, especially during times of drought, uh, when less surface water is available, land does come out of production. It goes fallow simply because there isn't water to irrigate it. Over the next two decades, the San Joaquin Valley, alongside other areas of uh, the state of California, is going to be implementing the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Uh, This is going to reduce the amount of groundwater that's available to farmers over the long term. That's also going to spur some fallowing. By our estimates, the San Joaquin Valley might see 500,000 or more acres come out of regular irrigated agricultural production as a result of that act. And then finally, the climate is changing. And while it's not entirely clear uh, that that's going to mean less water overall moving forward. What we can be fairly confident about this at this point is that it's going to mean uh, sort of longer and potentially more frequent droughts and then more intense wet periods. So a little bit just more variability in water uh, availability moving forward, and that can lead to 
um, more fallowing, especially during the dry times. That was Andrew Ayers, a research fellow with the Public Policy Institute of California's Water Policy Center. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for having me. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, July 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Shortly after three this afternoon, Ubinet reported a two-acre fire burning at a moderate rate of spread, roughly two miles south of Collins Lake in the Browns Valley area. The Apple Fire, located on County Road and Apple Way in Yuba County, began spotting, prompting evacuation orders by 3.42 p.m. Incident Control says their priorities are keeping the fire east of Marysville Road and south of Collins Lake. Crews estimated the fire grew to 10 acres by 4 p.m. As of 5 p.m., Cal Fire Nevada Yuba Placer Unit estimates the blaze nearing 25 acres, with fire activity beginning to moderate. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. For the latest on evacuations, go to community.zonehaven.com. Find out your zone by entering your address in the top left corner. The Nevada County Historical Landmarks Commission reports that the historical plaque at Hirschman's Pond, which commemorates Nevada County's Jewish community during the Gold Rush era, was defaced. This is the only plaque out of over 200 historical plaques in the county known to be vandalized, and the only historical plaque that references the Jewish community, according to the Equity and Inclusion Leadership Alliance. County personnel promptly removed the plaque and expect to clean it and restore it shortly. Hirschman's Pond was registered as a historical landmark by the Board of Supervisors in July 2021. The plaque was installed earlier this year. It commemorates the Jewish community and Leb Hirschman, the miner who owned Hirschman's diggings. Placer County has recorded its first case of monkeypox, more than two months after Sacramento confirmed the first in the state. The case was identified by a healthcare provider, Placer County public health officials say in a news release this afternoon. The infected person, who was likely exposed during in-state travel, is now isolating. Sacramento County, meanwhile, has now recorded nearly three dozen cases of the virus. This from the Sacramento Bee. The two candidates in the June contest for Nevada County Auditor-Controller attended a hearing before Nevada County Superior Court Judge Robert Tice Raskin today. Rob Tribble won the June primary. However, following the election results, his opponent in the race, Gina Will, filed a complaint seeking to find out if Tribble meets the required qualifications for the office. Until today, Tribble declined to present any evidence he meets those requirements. This morning, Tribble filed a declaration with the court, just before the hearing. According to the declaration, Tribble signed a contract in 2018 to manage a, quote, complex sale of the assets of a $600 million privately held company. The sale involved dividing the business for sale by the three primary owners to a potential buyer of the business, Tribble states in the declaration. The declaration does not name the companies. It does list three non-disclosure agreements. The hearing concluded with stipulations for both parties. The two must meet and confer by August 3rd, bringing their conclusions to the court on August 10th for another hearing. Nevada County's annual budget is approximately $330 million. In addition to the county's budget, the auditor-controller also oversees numerous special districts. This reported by Ubinet, turning our attention to local weather and your air quality index. For those in Grass Valley in Nevada City, 
Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 66. Thursday, sunny skies with a high near 94. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 32. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 45. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 55. Thursday, sunny with a high near 89. Current air quality is moderate with an AQI of 65. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 43. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 61. Thursday, sunny and hot with a high near 97. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 5. Friday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 26. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Have you ever wondered about the dozens of crucial duties being done to ensure a county remains safe and healthy? Whose job is that? Who facilitates property cleanup after wildfires? Who inspects body art and tattoo facilities? Who organizes mosquito fish giveaways? KVMR's Felton Pruitt has the answers coming up. We're talking with Amy Irani. She is the director of the Environmental Health Department for Nevada County. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Amy. No, thank you, Felton. Always a pleasure. So first off, let's get into the Rices Fire and what you folks have been doing to help people out after this event. Yeah, that. thank you. I have to give my thanks to my staff. They've done excellent work in contacting the property owners. Thankfully, of course, our Cal Fire folks did an excellent job in putting out the fire where it wasn't as extensive as we have painfully witnessed through the River Fire. But for the properties, I believe we are looking at 12 total properties in question. Many of those have some structures, whether they are residential structures, we're still teasing through that. One thing for property owners that were affected by the fire, I would ask that you give us a call, Environmental Health, so that we can help you through the next steps of what's important. And you can reach us at 530-265-1222 option number three, and just reach out and let us know your property was impacted and we can walk you through the stages for cleanup. That's something that only a few people maybe are dealing with now, but it's something that everybody should be aware of because we could all be affected at any moment by something like this. So you're the folks that we go to for help. Our uh, Office of Emergency Services, Code Red, they put out a great pamphlet that's going to be mailed out. It's online of how to prepare. But folks, often don't think about the after effect if you are impacted. We're going to be working with our Office of Emergency Services to put a a secondary package together for information accessible on the website that will be what to take with you as well, including all those important papers. But if you have vehicles, you know, VIN numbers, DMV information, if you have insurance papers and documentation of everything you have covered, make sure you have those with you as well. Little things that come up, at the recovery stage, first, of course, is life is, is most important, but then comes that recovery stage afterwards. And these are the things that we look for on the back end, I should say, or phase two of the operations. What else does the Environmental Health Department deal with that we might not be familiar with? There's a lot of things that we do. Um, a lot of folks just think we do food, but um, we have three divisions. So we have our consumer protection, and within that division, 
We do things like body art and tattoo facilities, uh, drinking water as far as public water wells and, and class two wells. We have a vector program where we do mosquito and you see the mosquito fish giveaway that falls under that category. There's also organized camps, campgrounds that the, the folks go to, the kiddos go to in the summertime or other, you know, organized campgrounds. And we permit all the pools and spas, both at, you know, anything public occupied at, you know, mobile home parks or RV parks or just your general, you know, municipality pools. So we cover a lot of different areas, which is why I love environmental health. Why did you get into this field in the first place? You know, I fell into it, Felton. (laughs) That is a great question. My goal in life and career I said, you know what? I loved the ocean, the environment. I wanted to be a a scientist that helped to keep that environment healthy. I landed a job at the National Research Agricultural Center for the USDA. And I was I was working with scientists doing fundamental research. And it was it was interesting, but it just wasn't grasping my attention. And I decided to go. My grandmother, who raised me, I decided to go and live near her. She was getting older in Beaumont, Texas. And I broke my teeth in environmental health working for the city of Beaumont. And I fell in love because every day was an incredible challenge. Every day was a new thing. And you have your attention in so many different areas that it really drove me. So from that point forward, which would have been in in 1999, I, uh, I never left. We're talking with Amy Irani from the Environmental Health Department of Nevada County. Amy, what other things is your department dealing with now as related to the heat and the drought? It's a continuum as far as drought. We're working closely with our partners at the state and local level, RCRC, all those other folks locally for any kind of funding or grant monies that could help local public water systems. I'm talking about those that are on a public well, class two well that share systems. And our state water resources board, they're also in contact with us to see if there are things that are available to to help folks as we are in the significant and incredibly challenging time of water being a, a scarcity and a, and a very precious commodity. So uh, looking constantly for ways that the county can lean on our state partners for funding or any kind of support that should there be an emergency we have the resources or we can call upon resources to help people get those basic and precious necessities that they need. So anything else you want folks to know about right now? Just that we are always here to help. We are a regulatory agency, but we live and uh, we love this community. So we do our best to find a path forward for anything that you're interested in doing business-wise, and I encourage you to always reach out with any questions you might have um, where we could help you. Give folks the website and the phone number. Please reach out to us anytime. You can go to My Nevada County, and that is nevadacountyca.gov, and you can just type that into our website, or you can give us a call, and our phone number is 530-265-1222, option three. We've been talking with Amy Irani. She is the director of the Environmental Health Department here in Nevada County. Thanks for all your work, Amy. Oh, thank you, Felton. We close with a commentary by military and healthcare chaplain Norris Burks. As chaplain, Burks served with both active duty Air Force and the Air National Guard. 
in posts as diverse as Turkey, Iraq, and Panama until his retirement in 2014. It's been just over a month since the mass shootings at a Texas elementary school killed 19 children and two adults. And since then, there's been a lot of blame being passed around. Some people accuse the Oasis Outback, the store where the shooter legally bought two semi-automatic rifles and more than 1,600 bullets, because there's no age requirements to purchase bullets in Texas. Just sobriety. Lawsuits are being initiated against the gun manufacturer, Daniel Defense. They are following the template of the Sandy Hook lawsuit that bankrupted Remington. Many are asking how that critical door happened to be unlocked. But much of the blame is being focused on the incident commander for delaying entry to the classrooms. Gratefully, none of the attention is being directed toward you and me. That's because we had nothing to do with this, right? We are definitely among the innocent. Or are we? When I purchase a movie ticket for a violent blockbuster, do I affirm the use of guns for conflict resolution? Are we feeding a thirst for violence with our obsession for true crime shows, violent books, and music? Do I own t-shirts or car stickers that glorify guns? In other words, am I a part of the problem? Am I a part of the problem if I vote for the candidate who's posing with her guns? Has my loud insistence of personal rights become a denouncement of life? And perhaps even the most responsible gun owners must eventually ask themselves, have I helped to create an arms race in personal protection that has encouraged gun violence in this country? Hey, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just asking some big boy questions. Each of us has to examine our own hearts. Or as Alcoholics Anonymous says, we are there to sweep our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. But I don't know about you, but the worst of my sins may be the violence contained in my silence. So, last month, I confessed that sin of being silent to violence, and I wrote my congressman, the first time ever in my life. I asked him to consider laws that would outlaw the assault style of guns used in most shootings. I asked him to raise the age limit required for the purchase of guns to 21. Importantly, I asked, implement red flag laws that allow police or family members to petition state court to order the temporary removal of firearms from a person who shows themselves to be a danger to themselves or others. Hey, look, I, I know many of you have better ideas than mine, so please don't waste your time criticizing me. Spend your time sharing your workable suggestions with your lawmaker. Use your voice. Refuse to be a part of the violence of silence. This is Chaplain Norris Burks. Please read more of my commentary on my website, thechaplain.net. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, July 27th. Visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and Briarpatch Food Co-op, building a sustainable and equitable food system since 1976, encouraging listeners to shop local to support a vibrant community, offering curbside pickup. Briarpatch is on social media and online at briarpatch.coop. And 
Sierra Stages, presenting Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Stephen Sondheim's musical thriller about revenge and meat pies, now through August 6th at the Nevada Theater. Tickets at sierrastages.org. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. Coming up at 6.30, it's The Sages Among Us with host Brian Buckley. Buckley speaks with Firewise Council volunteer Steve Roddy. Then, you know the drill. At 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.